Welcome to the Untangle and Thrive podcast, where we talk about real problems, real clients, and real solutions. Now here is your host, Angela McKinney. Hi, it's Angela McKinney with the Untangle and Thrive podcast, and welcome back, people. Wow, what a performance last night, the Super Bowl. I only watched the performance, (laughs) so I was inspired by these women. I was a dancer, as some of you know, and I hit the stage. And when I hit the stage, I hit it hard too. And it's been a long time, and I'm really looking forward to getting back to the stage. And seeing them embrace their messaging, their vision, their bodies, their talents, whole, I mean, 100%, right? (laughs) There was no ambivalence. There was no uh, hesitancy. It's very inspiring. And I want to talk today about triggers. Yes, triggers, the triggers that get in the way of that more released, expressed life, right? These triggers, what is a trigger and how do we untangle a trigger? And what do we need to be doing? How do we need to be learning from our triggers? I have really revisited Kobe Bryant's videos in the last week or so since the horrible accident. And I knew Kobe. I didn't know him well. I met him a few times. I was a Laker girl in the sense that I would go to the games. And I sort of fell out of favor with him when the rape charges were brought up. And I so I sort of relearned Kobe Bryant a little bit. I've been away from LA for a while. And listening to his videos and listening to his teachings and his message and the kind of man he grew, I could see him growing into. It was really inspiring. And there's a story I want to share that's related to triggers. He talks about playing for the Lakers for the first year. He was a young guy. I think he was 18 or 17. And he hit, he missed five air balls, five air balls, people. He cost them the playoff. And you can only imagine how horrible he felt. We can all imagine how triggering that could have been, right? This is what I loved about listening to the story. And this is what I love to help my clients do was most often with a trigger, what will happen is we'll want to run away. We'll want to get isolated inside and in our head, shaming ourselves and hating ourselves and picking ourselves apart in not a helpful way. We'll want to blame someone else. We might want to make it about the other people or the other team or the other, the, the, the noise of the reaction can start to really consume us for a really long time, people. But if we develop some skills here and if we can start to shift the response to a trigger or to a bad episode or to something we did that we're not really happy about or something that created an event for us, then we can really learn the art of mastery. We can really start to cultivate an incredible life skill that takes us into greater, greater areas. And that's what he did. And he does it quickly. Of course he does, right? He's not where he didn't get where he was (laughs) because he took 10 years to process his trigger around the five air balls, right? But we want to learn from him. And it's so fascinating to hear him talk about it. And so 
what he did and what a lot of great athletes, even athletes top of their field, don't really have a very big capacity is to go right back and study it. They kind of want to just, oh, Notre Dame, I don't ever want to see that team again. They don't really want to bring themselves to the learning as specific as he did. The very next day, he studied those air balls scientifically. He looked at his hands. He looked at the angles. He looked at his shoulders. Everything was optimally lined up to support that ball getting in. That wasn't the problem. The problem was his legs. His legs had been trained for 35 games, not 85 games. And he didn't have the strength in his legs to push it in that extra way it needed to go in. So what did he do? He shifted up his workout, his legs, his training with this awareness, with this intelligence. And he became unavailable for that to ever happen again. He became unavailable for that experience to happen again. So he didn't stay with the same system. He didn't stay in it, right? He moved, he located the problem. It's very, you know, it's a little easier when it's on film. (laughs) It's a clear problem. He located it. He brought himself to present learning. Didn't go back into blame, shame, hiding, or fighting. And he studied it and he investigated it and he matched with his reality today. He learned himself into a new system to support optimizing. Athletes do this all the time. Dancers do this. Artists do this, people. We don't do this with our own organizing capacity. We need to be doing this. Many of us are living in a very outdated system. From, from, say, even when we were four years old, we get wired into that tangled self-system and we sort of build a house around that system. And we have to locate it, unlearn it, and move into a more optimal system if we want mastery, if we want expansiveness, if we want to capture our life more vibrantly. So triggers, triggers are what I call a Buddha slap. They're a wake up. They are something for us to get our attention. And often, as the call I just had recently with with a girl swallowed in, in relational triggers and not trusting her signals and not trusting her responses and feeling like a feral cat. Okay, when we're in that reactivity and that feral cat sense that we're going to claw someone's eyes out, <laughs> we're in a cage and we can't talk, we need to, we need to just set, reset our nervous system. That's the first thing, because we can't bring a learning brain into a threatened body. It doesn't work that way. Kobe couldn't bring a learning brain into the immediate response of those experiences of those air balls. He had to shake it off and he had to come back to it. We have to shake it off and we have to learn how to shake things off, not get rid of them, but just shake out our nervous system so that we're stabilizing and coming back to present safety. The best way to do that is to seriously shake like an animal, like a wet dog. Go for a walk and just take in the air, take in some smells, get back to a present neutral stance with yourself. That's number one. The second thing with triggers, my experience in working with triggers for over 20 years at this point, is usually 
the trigger is trying to wake you up to some area where you're abandoning yourself. Abandonment trauma and re-trauma and triggers are excruciating. You feel as though you are falling through the earth. And anyone who's had intense trauma or sexual trigger traumas, I get it. You feel like you're falling through the earth and you're confused and your signals are off and you don't know what's up and down. But we don't sort out from that system, people. We just need to shake it off and get step onto some ground, go for a walk and start to think a little bit about them and study them because they're a part of us that's holding and rebonding to something that needs our attention. So when I, when I was consumed with sexual trigger charges, often what I was confusing, and there's two needs we need to locate with triggers, the need for love and connection and the need for our significance, our value. And we're going to want to scan around to see where we're abandoning either one of those or both of them. Because as we start learning to increase our capacity to connect with ourselves more resourcefully, then we can start locating also where we're dropping our value or where our value is all tangled or where it's confused. And often with sexual triggers, our value is really confused with sexual desire objectification versus love. And that is a very confusing thing. And I always say desired states are meaningless, love states are consistent, safe, and meaningful. Now, a good healthy marriage or intimate relationship really dances in both of those lanes, but to pull them out for your brain's purpose, to just sort of differentiate if in fact your your material gets really activated with sexual connection, Often we're replaying this confused looping that if my partner isn't desiring me 24 hours a day, I'm going to die, right? That is an abandoned, that is a, a tangled trigger association that somehow my power and my lovability is coming from being desired. And you could see how insane that could make someone and, ter- and insecure and activated, because it's a, it's a chase for something that you're not going to get. And also, it's, it's giving something meaning that's really not very meaningful. The other thing, so then there's the abandonment. So I was in an abandonment with myself, and I was playing it out with my partner. But I had to wake up and differentiate and see that this part of me, this tangled part of me, was really, her signals were really mixed up because I had been objectified by my father. My father and I had a very complicated relationship. He threw me out at 13 and called me a whore. Go figure. So, of course, I had a lot of trauma bonding with my father, which I was still carrying forward in my relationships. And it was confusing until I got a handle on it until I started to differentiate that this part of my body was really confused with what my lovability was and what my value was. And I was giving sexual desire all this power because I thought that was the thing that could secure me. As long as a man was obsessed with me or wanting me all the time, I was okay. If he started to go a little over there, I was not okay. 
This is a classic love addiction, sex addiction dance, by the way. It's very classic. Happens a lot. So pulling, pulling the, pulling the trigger in, in your left hand. Okay, giving it some containment because when we're in the triggered state, it's an all or nothing. It's our entire body's taking over the whole experience and we can't even access ourselves resourcefully. So step one is getting our bodies back. And step two is really putting the trigger in your hand and starting to study the trigger like Kobe studied his basketball move. It's starting to learn. It's starting to go, what am I believing? What is this trigger telling me? If my partner doesn't desire me 24 hours a day, what's going to happen? Oh my God. Okay, I'm getting access. I'm getting clarity. I'm getting, oh, that's why, because that's my, that's how I used to survive in my childhood. And when I said no more, boom, I got thrown out and then I felt abandoned. But then I continued the cycle unconsciously. It's always unconscious until we wake up. So Lindsay, this girl I was coaching yesterday was swallowed in a trigger and her trigger was relational with it, with her intimate partner. And she was feeling though she couldn't be heard or seen. She was getting so triggered that he couldn't hear her, see her in the way she was wanting. So I said, so let's locate the need you're wanting. And she didn't feel like it was love and connection. She thought it was her value, her significance was not getting recognized. Now, what we want to do, people, if that's your situation, is we want to go, where am I? cutting off my value in other areas of my life? Where am I not fully released in connection to my value, my skills, my talents, my money story? Where is that journey? And sure enough, boom, she immediately said, oh my goodness. (laughs) She's recently in graduate school. She wants to be a designer. And she said, I had this experience a couple weeks ago where in the class we had to sort of present our timeline of our work. And when I did that, I saw the four years that I didn't do anything because I was in this destructive relationship and I was sad all the time and I couldn't create. And it really showed up in this classroom. And I felt so ashamed and I just wanted to. So there's the source of a lot of the untangling was over here, right? Not with the guy that she was reenacting it with, over here with fully seeing, fully hearing, fully loving this part of her that had to hide out for a while. Instead of going to war with it, trying to chop herself off from it, trying to get rid of that part, to start seeing its value. How could that four years inform the artist she is today? How could she be with this part of her in a new way that was supportive, that was loving, that was integrating more creativity? And then something fascinating happened because then she had a flash of an experience where she presented something in one of her classrooms and she felt fully alive. She felt that she gave it everything. She got a taste of what that felt like and she was really proud of it, but she was having a hard time receiving it. So I said, that's, that is how we unwind this. We unwind this trigger through you returning and analyzing your relationship to commitment, raising the floor for it, giving yourself space to mess up, to play harder, to create more, to go somewhere new with your talent. And to then take in 
the incredible pleasure you get when you do that. And I've mentioned before, and I'm just going to say it again, you can purr yourself into it like a cat, purr into the pleasured feelings of that level of commitment, of that level of hearing you, attuning to you and expressing with your talents, purr it in like a cat or bubble bath it in like an imaginary bubble bath, tickle it into your skin, tickle it into your heart, tickle it into your being. And there's your there's your expansive integrated system. And when we're not abandoning ourselves and when we are activating our value in every relationship, in the classroom, in our presentations, in our coaching calls, in our family relations, in our children interactions, when we are raising the value and we are expanding love and capacity, connection capacity, we are getting a lot more space to master, to achieve higher levels of excellency, to travel within ourselves, to harmonize within ourselves in a meaningful way. So the trigger that's over here often needs a three, six, it often needs us to circle around and look around for where we're abandoning ourselves. Oh, I'm not taking care of myself. Oh, I don't feel deserving of receiving money. So I'm staying stuck over here in my tr- managing my trigger worlds. And this over here is where I'm really dropping myself. So what are triggers to wake ourselves up to what more do we need to be doing that we're not doing? Not hating ourselves, not beating ourselves up, not shaming ourselves into those shame baths where we just want to shut down and pull the drapes and go eat donuts, but wake up, get right with ourselves in present reality, figure out how we can belong to our relationships more meaningfully. We unwind triggers as we learn from them and as we increase our capacity to belong to new experiences. So as she untangled the shame around the space that was holding for her a dark period, as she learns to integrate that, as she learns that that part of her needs more of her to show up, not abuse her, not attack her, not re-victimize her, but love her, then she's loving herself forward. She's loving herself into new behaviors. She's elevating her ability to commit more wholeheartedly to her work. So the classroom, the presentation, all becomes this experiential playground to find herself in a new way. As Kobe needed to relearn himself into his legs to support his ball going in in a new way. As the incredible ballerina who had the leg injury had to relearn her toes and her postures and her plies to to support her incredible life as a ballerina today. We need to be doing the same, people. Okay, so I'm hoping this is helping you see a trigger differently. We're not going to get ourselves sorted from the triggering mind and from the trigger itself. We get it as we return to it. We study it. We get curious with it. We don't make it about the other person. We don't make it about anything outside of ourselves, but we make it about learning to integrate into our value and our capacity to connect more fully within ourselves and receiving 
pleasure while doing so. Okay, people. Have a beautiful day and back with you next week. Okay, bye. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out our life skills programs. We take these creative life skills and integrate them into a practice. Check out the details at www.untangleandthrive.com program.